The Mars Candy Company, which makes M&M's, Skittles, Snickers, and more, announced a week ago that they plan to remove artificial colorings from their products that are, quote, made for human consumption. A growing number of people have expressed concerns about the long list of nearly unpronounceable ingredients found in processed foods, and clearly some food companies are actually becoming aware of that. But few of us know what these additives actually are, where they come from, how they work, and and what they look like. With that in mind, the topic of today's Please Explain is food additives. And joining us now are Dr. Charlie Mueller, Clinical Associate Professor of Nutrition at the NYU Steinhardt School, and Dwight Eschleman and Steve Etlinger, creators of the book Ingredients, a Visual Exploration of 75 Additives and 25 Food Products. And I... Pleased to invite you to welcome you all to our show. Uh, and for our listeners, if you have a question about food additives, we invite you to join in the conversation. You can call us at 212-433-9692, write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Let's start with some of the ubiquitous additives that we find in many or found in many Mars products like Skittles and M&M's. Red number 40 and yellow number 5. Steve, where do these chemicals come from? Well, red red number 40 and yellow number 5 are very common colors. They're made from nitric acid uh, and, and a mixture with other petroleum products like naphthalene and benzene and lye, mostly in China, and then finished off here in the States. Uh, so they're, they start as a gray powder, and they turn into very bright colors. Weren't mo- modern food colorings discovered by accident? Yes, uh, somebody was trying to make uh, an, another uh, chemical, and he got his, his hands turned purple when he spilled the stuff, <laughs> and he decided that that was more lucrative, and that's sort of the root of the artificial colors. And early uh, colorants were toxic. Yeah, we're highly regulated now. I asked the uh, FDA why there were numbers 40 or 5. What happened to 39, 4, you know, 3? Well, some of them were toxic. Now, Dwight, uh, didn't you photograph many of the ingredients for the book? I did. We photographed all all of the ingredients, yeah. Were red number 40 and yellow 5 as bright and sharp and pure form as they appear in candies? Uh, yes. Shocking. I, I didn't do the uh, spill-on-your-hand test, but there's no question that they're, they're brilliant due to their potency and how concentrated they are is, is much like it appears in, uh, in the food we eat. Charlie, what are the the most common reasons additives are put into processed foods? Oh, a number of reasons you've just heard about uh, to enhance their color so that they look better, but also to preserve them, to protect them from microbial growth so they have a longer shelf life. Um, Ingredients are added to to, uh, improve their what we call mouth feel. Um, Many different properties... uh, Actually, that food scientists, uh, you know, that's, their, that's really their expertise. Earlier this month, Jennifer Lovedahl, who runs a chiropractic practice in Alaska, came upon a McDonald's Happy Meal that she'd purchased six years ago. Yeah. And uh, she found that it hadn't decomposed. Yeah, I've, I read that. I read something about that, yes. What yeah. kinds of ingredients would need to be in a Happy Meal to have it not, uh, oh, yeah. to have it uh, uh, any, not decompose yeah, all that long. Yeah, anti antimicrobials, antimicrobials, and perhaps antioxidants, but mostly any anti, anti, anti uh, 
antimicrobials and sometimes uh, uh, substances that hold on to water so that, that, so, that the, <laughs> so that the McDonald's burger doesn't dry out. Um, all different kinds of properties. As I was going through the list, I was going through uh, Steve's list of, of additives. Um, you know, many of them I, I, I looked up on the spot, and a number one of them are simply there for their water-holding capacity. Um, Weren't many of these new food additives developed during World War II? Yeah, post-World War II, there was excess chemical plant capacity, and there was a drive for, uh, boy, do we know, consumer products that are living through chemistry. Remember that. Also, perhaps for soldiers to have edible food out in the oh, absolutely the battlefields. Right, but the, the, the ubiquitous uh, products uh, were used by the, the consumer product manufacturers, and uh, that's when we got the rise for Twinkies. Uh, my previous book was on Twinkies. I got Twinkies in my office that are almost 10 years old now. I'm, I'm Would you ever eat them? No, they are hard. They've got, they got uh, dried out, but the, occasionally there's some mold, but most of the time they're just sitting there uh, staring at me and making, <laughs> making faces. At me. Yeah, and, and on the home front, you know, uh, margarine, which is hydro- hydrogenated vegetable oil, uh, became a product uh, marketed in the United States because butter was being used so frequently by servicemen abroad. So to give, give the American public something butter-like, uh, vegetable oils are hydrogenated so that they're solid at room temperature. And uh, now, of course, those are cis oils that are not on the market anymore. Well, originally, because the uh, the dairy industry fought margarine, it was sold uh, as a kind of a white fat, and then you had a little capsule in the package that's that you right. could break and that's right. with the yellow yeah. dye to make it look like butter. That's right. That, that's before my time, luckily. I'm going to say that. Yeah. That was, was one of those. The capsule? What, was the, what was the yellow coloring? Well, it's, I think it's on your list, but I can't. Uh, oh, gosh. I can't remember. I can't remember the name. It's, it's, on your, it's on your list, though. It's one of your photographs, I believe, right? Riboflavin or yellow number five? It might be yellow number five. Riboflavin, of yeah. course, is one of the B vitamins uh, that does mm-hmm. have a yellow color if you put it in water. Uh, it'll it'll make the water look yellow. So well, riboflavin is healthy, but aren't some of the additives that are considered safe in the United States banned in other countries? Yeah, there's a the FDA has a list called generally recognized as safe that you may have heard of, and it's uh, these are products that can be that the FDA has uh, um, vetted apparently um, and decided that they are generally safe to be added to food products. That is not, that does not at all mean that uh, 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 that they meet European standards. Um, this is similar to the difference in, in, in drug legislation as it applies in Europe as it applies to the United States. My guests are Dr. Charlie Miller, Clinical Associate Professor of Nutrition at the NYU Steinhardt School, Dwight Eschleman and Steve Etlinger, creators of a book called Ingredients, a visual exploration of 75 additives and 25 food products. This is WNYC, WNYC WNYC.org. I'm Leonard Lopate, and we invite your calls at 212-433-9692. You can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. And Derek from the Upper West Side, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I just looked, as your show was coming on, I happened to be reading a label on a bottle of Gatorade, mm-hmm. and I heard you guys open up with uh, red 40 and yellow 5. Yellow 5 is in my Gatorade water. It's supposed to be vitamin water. A, why is it there? 
and B, does it have any deleterious or, or negative effects on my on my health? And by the way, it's in water. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I sat. I visited a color plant a few years ago. It was fabulous. There's a guy who was charged with developing the colors for a whole line of vitamin waters. I won't say the brand. They're on his shelf. And I asked him, well, you know, what's the difference? And he said, oh, it's just, it's just color. It's just color. It's all psychology. It's all psychology. But vitamin waters uh, are sold as a kind of a health product. Right. And, and, and they're putting additives in that, well, are those additives dangerous no, in any way? No, not necessarily. But, you know, there's, I think the better question is should you be getting your vitamins from uh, a bottle of vitamin water as opposed to, say, uh, your, your diet or, or perhaps more concentrated yeah. form. Yeah. But they actually had to sit down and decide what color vitamin A, B, C, or D should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> th- these waters, um, uh, color, uh, Derek, yeah, Derek, these waters are uh, being marketed principally by the um, soft food industry companies to take up uh, their new product ideas to take the place of the declining sale of sodas, both diet and sugar sodas. And um, it's a, in my opinion, uh, you are in New York City, you should just be drinking water out of your tap. It's some of the best water in the world. It comes from reservoirs upstate. It costs you almost nothing. And in terms of vitamin waters, um, you know, as, as, uh, as, as Steve says, you can get your vitamins from food and um, you certainly don't need um, uh, vitamin water with perhaps a little bit of sugar or some sort of artificial sweetener. Um, it's, not, it's not necessarily good for you at all. You're mostly paying $2 a bottle for 12 ounces of uh, sugar water or, not, or artificially sweetened water with added vitamins. Thank you for calling us, Eric. Thanks a lot. By the way, it, you know, it's, it, the bottle is marked naturally flavored, but it doesn't say artificial color. Isn't yellow five artificial color? It is, but they may have flavored it with a natto, which is a yellow color. That's probably mm-hmm. the one that colored butter and, and cheddar cheese. Well, along those lines, mm-hmm. Jerry from Pennington, New Jersey, uh, is wondering about natural flavors. Jerry? Yes, yes. Yes, I've seen uh, that uh, name on many products. I guess it, uh, and I've always wondered what what on earth does it mean. Well, I I hate to tell you, it depends on the product. But one of the most common uh, places where you find natural flavor is when they put in something that's the equivalent of Are you ready? MSG. Mm. It's autolyzed yeast or or uh, something like that. Uh, it's it's a natural flavor, but they don't want to say MSG because some people think it's nasty. Although Chinese chefs will tell you MSG in, in uh, small quantities is is perfectly healthy. Any scientist will as well, I think. Yeah, it's a, there there are no known uh, adverse effects in the scientific lit- scientific literature from MSG. Can we underline that? That's amazing. Well, but let's look <laughs> at a few of the particularly interesting additives that uh, are in the book, like uh, azodicarbonamide. Uh, what does that do? I'm going to defer to, to okay. Steve. Well, first of all, it, it, it makes everyone uh, stumble when they pronounce it. It's better known as ADA. Did I'm, I say it right? You, you, yeah, it's just hard, and it's one of my favorite uh, ingredients for that reason. It's so hard, hard to say. Um, f- it's a maturing agent for bleach, for, for flour. It's uh, an alternative mm. to potassium bromate to, to bleach the flour, but it also and mostly controls foaming, retains mm. gas in a dough, but also it's used to retain gas bubbles in plastics. And so a really 
awful, I think, stupid uh, blogger made a big deal about Subway using what's in their bread, something that was used to make yoga mats and started a big campaign. And Subway, being sensitive to consumers, had to take it out of their dough. It had nothing, it was no problem. But it was claimed that it was harmful to factory workers who were making it. Yeah, but it had nothing to do with the bread or, and it was in everybody's bread. It wasn't just Subway. It is banned in Europe and Australia. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why, uh, because it's it's v- used in a very very small amount, and it's mostly um, it disappears after it's moistened. Now, the the one that we probably see the most is partially hydrogenated vegetable oil. What's hmm. the process that makes it partially hydrogenated? Well, that's just the that that means the uh, that means the quantity of double bonds that have you have a hydrogen bond replacing the double bond it's uh it's uh it's hydrogen it's hydrogenated just enough to make it solid at room temperature and it changes the chemical configuration of the uh of the fatty acid um and the, the, and this is one this is one uh additive uh and let's call it an artificial nutrient that has been shown in the literature to be harmful. It's more atherogenic, for instance, than saturated than most saturated fatty Isn't acids. Isn't it in Crisco? Uh, it no, is Crisco. Cri- <laughs> yeah. It is Crisco. Yeah. Um, there probably is a quantity that they allow. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking without knowledge. There's probably a, um, a quantity of it that is allowed right. um, in the product, but I'm not a minuscule amount. So right. what, what they've struggled to do in that business is find an alternative uh, by mixing fully hydrogenated oil with unhydrogenated oil to get the equivalent what of What does hydrogenating hard- mean? They put it in a tank, blast it with hydrogen and heat, and force more hydrogen onto the molecule, hydrogen atoms onto the molecules of the oil, and that, that changes it. And that doesn't make it float? <laughs> it makes it happy. Actually. It makes it like Crisco. But Crisco doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. It's not dangerous anymore. It was one of the very first artificial food ingredients, right. and everybody thought it was safe because it had been around so long, it turns out it, w- it was killing us. Because of the trans fats. Yes. That's right. That's right. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a simple matter of, of, of saturating all the carbon bonds. And, uh, and, and when you do, you turn it from liquid to solid. And it's also more stable uh, under heat. So, you know, the, the, the trade-off in something like Crisco is, is that you, uh, under high heat over a certain period of time, will the oil remain stable or not? And, uh, of course, in volume frying, such as uh, happens in fast food places and so on and so forth, the longer an oil lasts, um, the more uh, cost-effective it is. Howard from Manhattan. Hi, you're on the air. Thanks. In the early 1980s, I was a management consultant helping the company that makes Thomas's English muffins yeah. put in a very costly computer system uh, to optimize their roots because Leonard probably remembers this. English muffins used to get stale really fast. I and remember when I ate them, and uh, that probably was the case. Yes, and, 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 and they don't anymore. So they, had this, they were investing millions of dollars in this computer system to optimize the roots, and they had terminals for the route drivers on the trucks, and it was really a very advanced system. And a few weeks before they were about to make a big announcement and release it to the world, the food chemists came out of the laboratory and they developed a formulation for the English muffins that allowed weeks of shelf life. So the route men didn't have to go back and take back the- Do you know what the additive was? 
No, and I'm hoping maybe your guests do. Uh, I, I don't know what they used, Thomas, but Twinkies were famous when I, uh, a number of years ago for, lasting, for having a shelf life of 25 days. This is a bread product, a baked product. Now, with the new owners, it's 45 days. Mm-hmm. I think they added some enzyme. Things work together. Maybe they changed the packaging, more gas inside the, the uh, cellophane. 45 days. You know, if you make them at home, they last a day. Of course, if you eat them, they only last an hour. We're speaking with Steve Etlinger and uh, Dwight Eshleman, who are the creators of a book called Ingredients, a Visual Exploration of 75 Additives and 25 Food Products uh, with wonderful photographs uh, that uh, each page or each double spread uh, has a food and then the shocking number of additives <laughs> that you find in these, uh, these commonly eaten foods. Also with us is Dr. Charlie Mueller, Clinical Associate Professor of Nutrition at the NYU Steinhardt School. And uh, we invite your calls at 212-433-9692 if you want to join in this conversation. Or you can write to us on our show page at WNYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. We'll take a little break, and when we come back, We'll talk about high fructose corn syrup and maybe and and shellac. Party time, <laughs> shellac! I can't believe we have shellac in our foods. Right after this. And we are back with Dr. Charlie Mueller, clinical associate professor of nutrition at the NYU Steinhardt School, and with Dwight Eshleman and Steve Etlinger the creators of a book called Ingredients, a Visual Exploration of 75 Additives and 25 Food Products, and it is published by... Regan Arts. And it's a beautiful book. Thank you. Um, now, how difficult, Dwight, was it to photograph these additives and, and capture uh, a real sense of what... The, well, you also want to give us a sense of what they're going to do in a food. In terms of photographing them, for me, I wouldn't say it was easy. There were certainly challenges, but for me, in terms of a visual approach, it felt very natural. Early on, from the publisher, I learned the term visual fatigue and how that's something to avoid when you're trying to sell books. For me, it's it's exciting stuff. I love looking at things in groups and examining their their differences and... I knew going into this just that it was a world of white powders and clear liquids. It was certainly a surprise just how thoroughly it was um, such a world, you know. But I, I think our clinical approach seemed to match the subject matter. And, and in the end, we tried to photograph each of the items as, as consistently as possible, which I think was important to uh, show their differences. Were you surprised by how many additives you find in something like a a Red Bull energy drink or an oatmeal cookie? (laughs) Certainly. I mean, I think that was one of the first things that attracted us to create such a project, right? Like, I I think Steve and I both met each other through, through the Twinkie, which has approximately 37 ingredients, and that's not uncommon. So for me, it was uh, absolutely fascinating just to, to put a face to the names. The scariest for me was McDonald's Chicken McNuggets, in which the <laughs> ingredients cover a whole page. I don't know. I haven't counted how many there are, but it looks like uh, uh, maybe 45 unnatural ingredients in a Chicken McNugget. 
And in full disclosure, I'd have to say that we edited out two or three uh, foods that I wanted to feature just because we couldn't fit them on the page. Wow. Well, let's talk about some of the other uh, things that we find everywhere. High fructose corn syrup. Charlie, uh, uh, how is that different from just corn syrup? Uh, well, corn syrup, it, high fructose corn syrup is, uh, you have more of the, uh, of the, of the single, of the uh, fructose molecule itself, um, and, high, and high fructose corn syrup is is just uh, you will have a little bit more of the corn polymers, that is to say, uh, glucose molecules chained together with fructose mixed in. Um, what they're doing is is that they're they're turning the corn syrup into fructose chemically, which is sugar. Which is sugar. It's is one it of, any different? Uh, it's the than sugar that regular sugar. It, yeah. It well, they're different. They're th- basically three simple sugars: uh, glucose, fructose, and galactose. And fructose is the sugar that we taste when we eat fruit. Um, when we eat white sugar, is is a are two glucose molecules together. Lactose that makes dairy sweet is a is is two is galactose and glucose. So high fructose corn syrup is corn syrup that has been has a higher percentage of fructose in it than normal than corn syrup polymers would have. White sugar is uh, refined sugar. So has it been changed much from raw sugar? Well, a lot of the um, minerals have been removed from it, literally, to make it white. Um, uh, Apparently, that's more appealing to people, certainly over history in the the world of of gastronomics and so on and so forth. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I guess, more appealing. But in terms of uh, sugar in the body and how it's handled in the body, there isn't a big difference between fructose and uh, white sugar, let's say. So the body, one isn't more awful no, for No, no. They're all turned, all of the, these, three, these three sugars, um, uh, you digest them down to the sugar and you absorb the, su- the individual sugars, galactose, glucose, and fructose, and they go to the liver right away. And in the liver, everything is changed to glucose, and that's what circulates in your body. Nothing makes it out into systemic circulation that isn't glucose. Steve, another extremely common additive, uh, but one that may be less well-known, is phosphoric acid. Uh, What are some of the most popular uses of uh, phosphoric acid? Well, probably the most common one is to add the zing in in soft drinks like Coca-Cola. It's a very common uh, taste additive. But isn't it also used in industrial? Uh, oh, it's, a, it's used things? all over the world in industrial things. It's also the, it provides um, uh, the acid part, ca- uh, calcium phosphate, that's used in baking powder. Um, I, it's made with uh, a mixture of acids that comes out actually something that is relatively natural in that uh, phosphorus itself is one of the seven elements necessary for life. I, I visited a phosphorus mine and they, uh, the, the engineers were all joking, oh, phosphorus keeps your genes up. <laughs> but that's, didn't uh, <laughs> distilled urine also be used in, in producing phosphorus? Well, actually, uh, a fellow wanted to, uh, long ago in the 1600s, was uh, using a version of alchemy to find a pure element, and he thought he could find it in the urine from nuns, uh, which um, turned out to be, uh, when he distilled <laughs> it down, it was fairly 
uh, dangerous and flammable, and he got severely burned. Mm. Uh, by the way, elemental phosphorus bursts into flame when you expose it to air, which is really a hoot because it looks like water. Hey, Charlie, Charlie, how is it that something that's used as an herbicide, which this is, or an industrial detergent, also can be put into food and drink? Well, the, in in uh, in theory, it's because it's in such small amounts that it's not harmful. And it's funny you should mention phosphoric acid in sodas and everything. I know it's a little bit of a problem in the world of nephrologists. Those are kidney doctors who are concerned about phosphorus in the diet. When your kidneys don't work, you don't get rid of the phos- you don't get rid of excess phosphorus. And uh, particularly the pho- phosphoric acid in, in canned sodas and everything. Uh, those products are a problem because uh, the, the actual amounts that are in the soda are not are not readily known, and how bioavailable that is to say how well absorbed they are, and eventually um, harmful to people who uh, have end stage kidney failure. Um, so, but in theory, it's because those substances are in tiny amounts and therefore recognized as safe. Dwight, were they dangerous to work with when you were photographing them? <laughs> we hope not. <laughs> I, there was, there well, you're not here, so I can't see whether you're in good health or not. <laughs> you should see his hands. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't terribly dangerous, at, at least. Um, cer- certainly we had con- some concerns not being familiar with many of these these items, but um, I would say the closest we came to being harmed was the smell of diacetyl. I was just um, going to say <laughs> Aside from that, I don't think there was any lasting It has damage. a really strong odor. And uh, yeah. that that's lost when it's used as a food additive? When it's concentrated diacetyl, which is a, a but- artificial butter taste, it's also an element in artificial vanilla. I mean, I can't believe it's not diacetyl. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's hard to believe those two wonderful flavors are made from something that when it's concentrated has to be made in a special room because it stinks. I was surprised to see shellac in the book. Uh, shellac is something that's a sealer. Uh, how, is it, how is it used in food? It, it, it reta- helps re- uh, seals in moisture, and sometimes like uh, uh, apples, which from what I normally understand are natural. Um, the moisture just keeps them, I mean, the sealer just keeps them moist longer. But it's So also, they spray apples with shellac? Yeah, yeah. Makes it non-vegetarian because shellac's made from uh, insect secretions. Isn't that nice to know? It's also one of the polymers used to coat aspirin pills and other pills as an um, and enteric. I would assume that shellac in large doses would be harmful. I would assume so, too. Couldn't it build up in your body? Absolutely. Uh, uh, and uh, I mean, th- these are the concerns that, that consumers have. Um, the, only thing I, the only thing I can say is, is that these are generally recognized as safe by the FDA. Um, and I'm not passing any judgment on that or the abilities of the FDA to um, vet these these additives. In some cases, like wines, the, we don't have ingredients listed, but uh, some wines have polydimethylsilicane. Did uh, I pronounce that right? Yes. I think I can. Uh, uh, I do not know if wine is regulated of by the same labeling regulations that apply to conventional foods. No, it's it's very likely you can add, you can put additives into wine that have to be by law on the label of conventional foods. They're very strict laws, well, labeling laws in the United States. Well, that uh, that ingredient's polydimethylsilicane. 
uh, is also uh, uh, its discovery led to silly putty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's silly putty. <laughs> Hard to believe. Yeah, that's so why we're, wine we're bounces. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> so kids who that's eat why I bounce after I've had some right. kids who eat silly that. putty <laughs> are maybe onto something. Yeah. What about taurine, Charlie? Isn't that chemical <laughs> commonly found in energy drinks as well? Well, taurine is a, is an amino acid, and it's essential to life. Uh, so it's a building block. Amino acids are the building block uh, building blocks of proteins. So taurine is a is an organic uh, substance compound. It's an amino acid, and it's it's one that uh, children. Uh, don't synthesize as readily as older adults do. So sh- children shouldn't be drinking those. No, drinks? no, no, no. Uh, pediatric or infant formulas sometimes, and I know in the world of intravenous feeding, um, we give them individual amino acids when we feed people intravenously because they can't digest the protein. So we give them in, in, amino acids. Taurine is added uh, to the pediatric formulas. It's not. A, it's not a. Uh, it's certainly not a toxic substance, uh, unless perhaps uh, <laughs> uh, infused in very high quantities. I'm going to sneak one more call in here. Robin, you have to make it quick. Robin from Long Island City. Yes. I'm sorry if this is redundant. What about um, the frozen foods? Like, uh, what I love, Marie Callender's pies, um, or frozen uh, chicken pot pies, have uh, additives as long as your arm. Are those bad for you? Also, even in progressive soup, there's calcium chloride, hydrolyzed soy protein. What about soups and frozen foods? Well, hydrolyzed soy protein is is for taste. It's like the MSG. You can if you did if you made it yourself, you could add Parmesan cheese and get the same effect. And um, it comes from soybeans, and it's an it's an isolated protein from soybeans. But I guess Robin's question is, do they stick a lot of stuff in frozen foods because that uh, helps them stay frozen longer and uh, remain healthy? They have to suppress ice crystals. That's why you have a lot That's of gums right. in there, like uh, guar gum. And it's all designed, um, it's all part of increasing the life of the product and maximizing its taste um, with with a certain amount of regard to the nutrient value Many of the additives that are in the book are vitamins that are normally in foods that are removed from food in the, in the processing process, in the food processing process, and added back. Um, and uh, So we should not, uh, is the, the general message we've been getting, these things aren't necessarily dangerous even though we might prefer to just eat as naturally as possible? Well, I, I like... I I like to say that they that, that the best thing to do is just as you said, Leonard, is to eat as naturally as possible. Eat food. Um, uh, buy things that have ingredients that you I can identify as food. We have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Charlie Mueller, Dwight Eshleman, and Steve Ettinger for being our guest today on Please Explain. Thank you very much.